Real Christian Church podcast. This week's special guest speaker, Bay Forrest, brings us a message titled Rock Solid from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Using his background as a 6'10 NBA player, youth pastor, and then missionary to Africa for five years, Bay Forrest shares the gospel of hope in Christ in creative and scripture-filled messages. Believing Jesus was the greatest communicator and storyteller of all time, Bay simply attempts to make God's word relative and applicable to both young and old. At Bay Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Thank you, Kevin. So good. Every week, I am so grateful for um, just everything you do, man. This worship is so good at Vail Christian Church. I don't know if you know, but we have the best worship pastor. Yeah, and we do. Yeah. It's so good. It's like he has a way of opening up the door for us, right? And it's fantastic. And we always, like every week, we always have the A band on. So, Yeah. It's really good. Well, I'm so glad you're here today because you get to experience just such uh, a great morning with Bay Forest. It's true. Um, we uh, we kind of grew up together in the early days, right, in this little town, and our families were really close, and it was just so good. Recently, um, you know, I, we can, I can ask, we could host, you know, a, a guest speaker, you know, periodically, and there's a lot of really great people out there to, you know, that are doing all kinds of really cool things, but for me, it's just most important to have a relationship um, with people I trust and know deeply, and so um, when uh, somebody like uh, Bay comes, I just really trust him, and uh, he has such a, a, a godly family, and uh, uh, marriage, and you know, he's got some great career things in his life. Um, but the reason why I asked him to come speak is just because I just know his heart and uh, his love for the Lord. And he's, you know, he's spoken all over the world and, and just had some great adventures. Obviously, a, a former Phoenix son and things like that. But uh, the thing I just love about him is his authenticity. So uh, before, you know, this weekend, we've done some things, right? We've had a little adventures ourselves. We've played golf, and it was just pathetic, right? And it's really, it's really hard um, to get out there with a world-class athlete and then see such decline. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we've been, we, we went hunting, and mostly we went hiking, but we went hunting, and it was just as pathetic, all right? But we have eaten lots of food. We did that really well, you guys. And so, um, Bay, come on up. I've said plenty. Um, I got to get my digs in because he's going to give it to me, so, and everybody does. That's fine, but uh, I really, um, I'm really glad that you're here today. Come and, on, give and, me a yeah, high five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get up. <laughs> I'll get him in one way or another. I'm going to get it. <laughs> well, I got I to gotta share a couple of things. First of all, I really would agree with Ben. I get to travel and speak uh, all over the world, and I get some pretty good worship bands and all. But I love Kevin's heart. 
I love, and he has an amazing voice, but he's just, he does a great job of leading you guys into the throne room, and I got to experience that again today. So thank you for having me here to be a part of this. Um, you are blessed with some, some real talent uh, that are a part of your church here. And I, I, I really do celebrate Ben. Uh, we grew up together in Prescott, and our parents were super close friends, and so we go way back, and I love it when he talks about us being childhood friends, because then that makes me about seven years younger than what I really am, if I claim to be the same age as him. So with him at 59, yes, I'm 66, so I'm just an old man now, but, and boy, did I experience that in the last couple of days there. I, First of all, when the evangelist comes in, normally I'm used to, yeah, they really put out the red carpet for me and everything, you know, and oh yeah, Bay's coming in to speak and all that kind of thing. And Ben beats me by 10 strokes in golf. That's really bad. I mean, he has no class whatsoever when it comes to showing any grace or uh, appreciation for the speaker. Then he takes me quail hunting yesterday. We grew up quail hunting together up in Prescott. And he takes, I haven't been quail hunting in 10 years. He gives me this little baby shotgun, you know. They don't fit me. These things don't, you know. And he gives me this thing and then he says, yeah, we're going to go down towards Wilcox. I get there. There's four to six inches of snow where we're hunting quail. I, I've got two foot of snow at my house. I came down here to get out of the snow and then he takes me to Wilcox where I'm in snow again. Didn't see a bird there where the snow was. So then he takes us a couple other places. Fortunately, I had Andrew with me, and Andrew kind of knows what he's doing, and so he has a bird dog and everything, so I just stuck as close to Andrew as I possibly could because Ben was hiking up the side of the mountain with this other cowboy guy, Dustin. I don't know if you'd know him from Wilcox, and it was crazy. It was just kind of nuts with everything that was going on there. I've never had my hip flexors hurt so bad in my life. I thought I was in shape. And we started climbing mountains, and I was dying. So if I look like I'm about to fall over up here today, that's because he abused me for two days. Ben did not take good care of me whatsoever. Uh, so I hope if we come back, he'll do a little bit better job of that. The other thing that he abused me with, though, when he asked about me coming down to speak, and he says, hey, we're in Matthew right now, and I was wondering if you could talk on marriage. And I went, you know, that's cool. I can do that. My wife and I do a lot of marriage retreats and speak uh, all over the world together with those kind of things. And then he gave me the scripture passage. It's on marriage and divorce. I said, uh-uh, you do that one, bro. I ain't going there. I'm not touching that one at all there. So I dumped that back to him. We're going to stay in Matthew, and we are going to talk about marriage, but I'll let him try to work through the whole marriage and divorce and remarriage thing and all of that. So I'm not doing exactly what he asked me to do, and that's okay, uh, because he'll, he'll do a great job of that. He's such a good communicator. I've followed Ben since he was a youth pastor in California. I went over and spoke when he was there and, and all he's doing, and now to see him back here and see how God has blessed this place. It's just wonderful. You guys are really blessed. I hope you know that. I get to be in a lot of cool churches. This is really a great church with great people. So just celebrate how God has blessed you and take advantage of it. And for those of you that are watching online, I understand. We respect that. But at the same point, when you can, get back here and get involved because there's nothing like the koinonia, the fellowship of meeting together in person when that can be done. And hopefully before long, that'll be something that everyone can participate in. So I want to talk to you today about marriages and the importance of building a strong foundation to have that relationship on the rock that, that can make it strong. But there's some of you here, 
I mean, I just got a chance to meet Noah and Matthew, and they're not married. I don't, you guys aren't married, are you? No. Okay, good. I, they're, they're probably not old enough for that at uh, 9 and 11. So, the, the, but I just met them, and they're probably going, well, what am I doing listening to a message on marriage? No, see, first of all, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you're in a marriage, because the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that we are the bride of Christ. Well, that's a little weird for me, you know, as a big man and everything, but we are. We're the, uh, we're the bride of Christ. So every one of us are in a marriage relationship with Almighty God. But as well then, relationships are important in every part of life. So whether you're married or not, whether you ever plan on getting married, whether you've gone through that and you're not married anymore, it really doesn't matter for this morning. This is all about relationship and hopefully you'll grasp by the end, it's all about relationship with God. Because nothing else works unless we're in right relationship with God. I don't care how hard you try at your marriage relationship or relationship with friends, it will never be the way God wants it to be until we are right with him. So that's what we're going to be looking at because, let's face it, we are being bombarded with all kinds of attacks coming against the marriage right now. About, uh, against a godly marriage. So we've got to take a look at how do we accomplish this marriage thing in a way that does bring honor and glory to God. To do so, we're going to look at Scripture, and I want us to look, first of all, at that Scripture in Matthew that I uh, was told that we were, we're going to be in Matthew, and I love this. I love it. If you've got a red-letter edition, this is in red, okay? That means the, pra- the passage we're going to look at, Matthew 7, Verses 24 through 27, it's all in red. And we know what that is. That's Jesus talking. I always say it this way. If Jesus be talking, I'd be listening. I love it when Jesus said, now listen, all scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. We know that every word in here is the word of God. Don't ever get to where, we've got a lot of people nowadays, what they're doing And it's kind of scary what's happening, going, yeah, I don't really like that part. Well, then grasp firmly, rip it out, throw it away, and say, no, thank you, God. Don't want that part of your word. See, this is all God's word, and we've got to be able to hold to all of it. But when Jesus is speaking, it just seems really special. And it's like, wow, Jesus said this. Listen to what he said to the followers at the time right there. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, it says, he calls out to the people, he said, anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. We're going to look this morning at the importance of having that firm foundation. And again, like I said earlier, I hope what you grasp more than anything, if you want a firm foundation, it all starts not only with God, but with his word. And we're going to look at the importance of God's word and applying God's word in our life. That foundation, I started seeing a little bit more of it uh, as I was growing up. I, you know, I was always uh, growing up in Prescott. I was 
I was bigger than everybody else. Things were going great. You know, I was a basketball player and everything. I was sixth grade, five eleven, seventh grade, six one, eighth grade, six three, ninth grade, six five and a half, and you know, grew up by my senior year. I was six nine, ended up six ten, and uh, was a high school all American. Then I was a college three time all American. And when I was at Grand Canyon, we won the national championship. Everything's going good with that. And then I was drafted by the Seattle SuperSonics, number nineteen in the draft. That meant I was guaranteed I was going into the NBA. And then God put it on my heart to give up playing in the NBA for one year and play for Athletes in Action, a branch of Campus Crusade for Christ International. And so I went and played that year. First player in the history of the NBA to turn down a guaranteed contract to play for an amateur team instead. I was considered the dumbest person on the face of the planet for doing so. Nobody could believe I would give all that up. But I played a year with Athletes in Action, and then the Phoenix Suns bought my rights from the Seattle Supersonics, signed me to a five-year guaranteed contract. Things were going great, and I was excited to be playing in the NBA. I remember the first time we were going to play against the... Detroit Pistons. And we were going to play, I loved all these teams we were going to play against, playing against Dr. J and, and, and Magic Johnson and really good players from way back in my time. You know, I'm just an old man now and I understand that, so some of you wouldn't even have a clue. But back then, there were guys I wanted to play against because I'd heard about them, I'd watched them on TV, now I'm going to be on the floor with them and it's kind of cool that I'm going to be doing that. So we're playing Detroit and there's a guy I'm going to be guarding that I can't wait to check out in person because I've heard about this guy. First of all, his name's Bob Lanier. He's 6'11", he's 250, 260, and he shoots the ball really well from the outside, which is unusual for a big man to do that. And he was known for being a great player, but he was known for something else too. He was known for his foot size. The man, I've seen Shaq's 22, you know, and because he played for the Suns and I kind of stayed connected with all of that there. And actually, I have some of Shaq's gear. You ought to see it on me. I can't even wear it. His shorts go down to here, you know, and they were just massive. But there was this guy that I was playing against was a big guy that I wanted to check out because he had a big foot too. It was somewhere, I never did, he didn't want people to even know, but it was somewhere between a 19 and a 22, okay? It was a big old foot that he had, and I'd heard about it, and so I wanted to come and see Bob Lanier's foot. You know, I just, I just want to check it out. Well, I ended up going into the game at a free throw because I didn't start my first year. And so I get into the game. I'm, I line up, and Bob Lanier is right next to me. So I'm going, well, this is my chance. And I got my foot right here. I have a 16, you know, so it's nothing small. But, I mean, it's nothing compared to what I got ready to see because I decided to go ahead and just casually look down, and I just went. And then he went. I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was the biggest thing. I mean, it was massive, this foot. And then I thought. I feel like somebody might be looking at me. (laughs) And I kind of looked up this way, and Bob's looking down at me like, you say one thing and I'll step on you with this foot. You know, it was crazy how big the foot was. But I got to tell you something. Bob Lanier did not get knocked over easily. He had a firm foundation. I mean, he had a lot turned under. And, man, I mean, nobody was knocking that man over because, listen, if I had a baby foot like Ben, let me tell you, it was... It would be, I'd be trouble. I'd be, whoa, I couldn't stay up with that foot. So uh, if you're bigger, you're going to have to have that bigger foot like that there. You need that foundation. And that's what the word of God is talking about with us when it tells us that we've got to, when Jesus says, build on the rock. But see, I found out about that. Then after my wife and I were five years in Africa as missionaries, we came back from Africa 
uh, back in 1992, and we didn't have much anything. I'd, I got hurt in the NBA after my second year, snapped a lower vertebrae in my back, so I didn't get to you know, get all that money or anything else that was there. And so we'd supported ourselves some as a missionary anyway. We came back. My dad sold us his house in Colorado. When we finished playing for the Suns, we all had moved up to Colorado. Pagosa Springs is a beautiful area, 7,000-foot elevation with 13,000-foot peaks all the way around it. And by the way, uh, just so you know, because I don't want you to get him to get in trouble for this, Ben and Linda are going to come up and visit us this summer. Don't give them a hard time for that. One of our ministries is we do pastors and wives getaways because they get burnt out. They get worn out going at it all the time. And so we've invited them to come uh, for a few days and just, just come and enjoy life with us. We have horses and we have one of our board members has a 23-acre lake on 160 acres at the foot of Wolf Creek Pass. It's beyond belief, 30-foot waterfall that fills it. And, and so he's, they're going to come up and just enjoy some time away like that because where we live is beautiful. And our family bought 35 acres as a family, my mom and dad, my two brothers, and we all lived on this property. We live on this property together. My mom and dad have died now. But my dad, years ago, built one of the first homes on the property, and he's kind of like what Ben's dad was. Ben's dad's gone too, but both of them are pretty tight with their money. And they're trying to cut corners if they could on a way to make a little bit extra get this or that. My dad was always trying to figure out some way to make some extra money. And as a builder, he had read about floating foundations. And so he decided he's going to try one of those. Now, it's not floating with water. This is, you dig a ditch for a trench for your home foundation, and then you put gravel in it, and you compact it really well, and then you put pressure-treated timbers over the top of it, and then you start building off of the pressure-treated timbers. Well, the reason for this is then once you've built with a lot of snow like we have up in Colorado, it gets a lot of pressure on your home, and it allows your home just to sort of slide, just minutely give at times so that it's not stuck with all that pressure and all. Sounds like a pretty good principle. Maybe it would be if you didn't put sheetrock in your house anywhere. But when you've got sheetrock in some of your rooms, every time that home slightly moves, you get a stress fracture in your home because it can't hold that because it's not used to moving at all. And that's what Jesus was talking to us about. You can't get moving around. You've got to have a firm foundation and stay where you're supposed to be in that relationship. That's what I want us to look at this morning. How do we have that firm foundation? That number one, if you've if you got the notes, is we need a solid foundation. Secondly, I love Psalm 119, verses 1 through 10. Listen to what it says. We know Psalm 119, 11. A lot of us have memorized that one. Uh, your wor- I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against God. You know, eh, we all know that. But I love 1 through 10. Listen to what it tells us in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 10. Happy are people of integrity who follow the law of the Lord. Happy are those who obey his decrees and search for him with all their hearts. They don't compromise with evil. And they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your principles. Then I will not not be disgraced when I compare my life with your commands. When I learn your righteous laws, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your principles. Please don't give up on me. I love verse 9, especially for all of you young people in here. Listen to this. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word and following its rules. Oh, it's so important that we know the word of God and we live by it. But then listen to what it says in verse 10. 
I have tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. Oh, this one's so important for us that we don't wander from the commands of God. Because you see, we have an issue here as far as this wandering thing, even in Colorado. I did some outfitting up there when I was a youth pastor, and I was trying to support myself. So I take people in the high country on pack trips. I love horses, and so we'll take them up, pack into the high country, and do elk hunting and deer and and that kind of stuff, fishing trips and photography and all. I did that for a while. Uh, Didn't make much money at it, but it was a lot of fun. And so I would be up there, and it was amazing what would happen, and it still happens all the time every year during hunting season in Colorado. Everybody gets up there and says, man, this is beautiful. We love this place and everything. And they don't realize how easily you can get lost in these mountains. Because you can go up and down and they all look the same. All the mountains look the same. And you get into valleys and you can't find where you're at. And if it's a cloudy day, then you can't see the sun and you don't even know where your direction is. And so it's really important that you have a compass or some way of being able to know where you're at. And invariably, every year, we have people up there that we have to send our search and rescue teams up in order to find them in the mountains because they're lost and they just can't, they can't find their way out. They're in big trouble. We are the same way as followers of Jesus. As Christ followers, we, we can't be wandering and there's only one way to avoid wandering. We need a compass. The compass is the word of God. That's what helps us to stay on track. The word of God and the other part of the compass is God's spirit, the spirit of God. But we have to be really careful there and Ben and I have done some good talking about this as well because here's what happens a lot of times. People say, well, yeah, I just feel like this is the right thing to do and then we, we blame the Holy Spirit for it. That may not have been the Holy Spirit that told you that. You may have had bad pizza the night before, and that's why you made the decision you made. We can't get caught in that. Make sure whatever you feel God's telling you to do can be backed with the Word of God. This is what we know is truth in every way, and we have to stay strong in that. That's our compass to stay plugged in that way. Because, see, even Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We might think we're doing the right thing, but our heart is deceitfully wicked. I know, and some people say, no, I got a new heart when I got saved. Yeah, but we still have a sinful nature. We still have a sinful nature that can, we can go to if we're not careful and get caught in that. And the enemy knows this as well. The devil knows that, and he, he doesn't care. Listen, you do not have to. The devil doesn't care whether you start worshiping Satan and saying, I renounce God. I want nothing to do with Christianity. He doesn't care whether you do that. He just wants you to miss the mark because that's what sin is. Sin is, this is right towards God, doing it God's way. Sin is that. Just move to the side a little bit because at first it doesn't seem that bad. Well, that wasn't that big a deal, you know. But the longer you go, the further it gets away from God when we miss the mark that way. And that's what our enemy, the devil, wants to do with us. And we've got to be aware of what's going on. That second point that we have, please don't let me wander, we can so easily wander and get away from where God wants us to be. And so the third point is what Jesus talked about in John 10.10. 10. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates us and he wants to take us down. I'm so glad Jesus didn't stop there, but he went on. He said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have an amazing, abundant life, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. we got to know he's there, so we have to know what the Word of God says, so we have a roadmap and we have a compass that will tell us where we are supposed to be. And we've got to stay listening to the right voice at all times in everything we do. So the third point, beware the thief. And I want, to, I want to look at something because the thief would love to have us just get away from God just a little. But listen to what God thinks about us just getting away from him just a little. Look at, Matthew, or at Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Revelations written by John. But it's Jesus speaking here. Listen to what Jesus, he's, he's getting the words from Jesus that it was the revelation was revealed to John. Listen to what Jesus says, and he's talking, Jesus is talking about the church in Ephesus, okay? And Jesus says, hey, I like a lot of things you're doing. And he says, I know all the things you do. You, your hard work and your patient endurance, and you don't tolerate evil, and he goes through all this stuff. But then he says in verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other, as you did at first. Another version would say, you've lost your first love. You've lost that first love you had in your life. Do you remember what it was like when you first gave your life to Jesus? If you're a Christ follower, if you've really given your life, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and said, God, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to you. I've given my life to you. If you remember what that's like, what it was like to do so, man, we were all in. It was like, he saved me. He gave me everything I got. Man, I've got a future with him because he's taken care of my sin. And it's a wonderful thing when that happens. But then what takes place? We kind of get caught up in all the stuff that's going on in life. And pretty soon, we're not just going, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. And we kind of wander a little. And we start getting off to the side. And Jesus says, you've lost your first love. And you're not loving others the, way, the same way either. And I know this is, on, uh, this is for marriage for men and women, but I'm going to tell you right now, men, I just really got to challenge us. We got to be the ones to step up with this. Man, you got to start it. You're the spiritual leader in your family. My wife is amazing. She is the most godly woman you would ever meet. She speaks all over the world at women's events, and I chase to keep up with her spiritually knows the word of God crazy good. And she's my commentary. Hey, I'll be in the room having my quiet time or doing some study. Hey, babe, where does it say? And I'll ask her something. She'll go, oh, that would be in Second Thessalonians. And she'll just tell me where it's at. She just knows the word of God so well. But let me tell you what my wife wants. My wife is the most secure, the most comfortable, and receives the most joy in our relationship when she's right here. And I'm not talking about just physically, though she loves the fact that she has a 6'10", 240-pound husband that will take care of her and protect her and fight for her if necessary. She wants under my spiritual protection too because I've been called to that. Men, we've been called to be the spiritual protectors. Am I better than my wife? Are you kidding me? My wife is unbelievable. Just trying to keep up with her. But she wants to be right here, protected. And men, we've got to step up. And we've got to make sure we don't wander we don't have those wandering eyes and get the stress fractures in a relationship because of the stuff that's going on in our lives and the things that we're interested in. And if you will love your wife that way, I'll guarantee you every godly wife 
is thrilled to have a godly husband that says, man, I love you and I am here and I will protect you and we're doing this together. Peg and I are a team. She's my best friend. But she wants under my spiritual protection. Men, we've got to do that. Step up and be that spiritual leader. Don't wander. The enemy loves it. He loves to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rip off our lives and to ruin relationships, and he wants to do it for any relationship. That's not just with husband and wife. He wants to destroy any godly relationship, starting with our relationship with Almighty God. So we have the need for a solid foundation. Please don't let me wander. Beware the thief, and we must get back to our first love. But finally, and this one is so important that we're willing to follow through with, Thomas Jefferson wasn't the greatest, you know, spiritual leader or anything. We don't even know whether he was really saved. You know, he had some good things he said, but he was kind of out there with some weird stuff too. But he had a, a, a quote that I really like. He said, when the heart is right, the feet are swift. When the heart is right, the feet are swift. What he was saying was, hey, when your heart's right, when you're doing what's supposed to be done, when you're doing things the right way, you will be quick to then make things right and take care of stuff that needs to be done. And that's where it tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, don't just hear the word. Don't just be listeners to the word of God. Do it. You got to do it too. So you can hear this message this morning and you can go, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't make changes, if you don't make the adjustments that God wants you to make in your life, then you're really not going to accomplish what God has for you. And that's not because I gave some great message this morning. I gave you this. See, that's what we have. We have the Word of God. So grab hold of the Word of God and apply it in your lives. Live this out and God will bless that with the right relationships in life. See, when the heart's right, the feet are swift. 2020 was rough. That's tough. We all know it. You know, it did so much damage. It's amazing the damage to marriage relationships. First of all, I think it's because so many husbands and wives were spending maybe too much time together, more than they needed to, you know, and you get crazy, you know, being around each other all the time. And we're the same way with our kids. You need to go to school, you know. <laughs> we, we want them gone, you know, and having to raise or having to teach kids and everything. It's hard with all of that there. And it was a tough year. I would challenge us for 2021, let's have it be a different year. We don't know how long it's going to last. You know, this nonsense of, yeah, I think it'll be over in a couple of months. Probably not. It may continue on. But let's make 2021 the year that our feet are swift and we run to God. That everything we do, we go back to this book and say, God, I need your compass. I need your help. I need your direction. And if I'm going to be the leader in my family that you want me to be, if I'm going to be the wife that you want me to be, if I'm going to be the son or daughter that you want me to be, whatever it is, the grandma and grandpa, or if you're never married ever and you're just in friendships, whatever it is, if I'm going to be the person God wants me to be, then it has to start right here. But here's the deal. It can't start here until it's transferred here. And you can hear all of this, and I am amazed at how many places I go in churches where people are going to church because they know it's the right thing to do, and they're trying to get, the, get where they're supposed to be. But what they finally realize is, I don't think I have 
that relationship with God that you're talking about. That's where it all starts. If you have never said, God, I give up, I surrender myself fully to you because I can't do it myself. I can't make this work. I need you in charge. That's where it all starts. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and putting your faith and trust in him. Oh, and if you've never done that, don't just get here and say, well, I'm going to start trying to apply some of these principles. You'll be so frustrated. It won't work until you realize that you can't do it. I had a pastor one time that used to say, I can't, but you never said I could. You can, and you promised that you would. See, there's the key. God, I can't, but you never said I could. God never told us, try really hard to be really good, and I'll be impressed. Oh, he doesn't do that. He says, no, give up. Surrender. Surrender to me. Let me have control of your life, and I will then work in and through you, through my spirit, giving you the strength and the power to be who I called you to be. So if you've never Taking advantage of that opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus, oh, what a great opportunity to do do this today. You might be watching online right now. Wherever you are with this, if God's speaking to you saying, yeah, that's where it all starts. It starts with you surrendering to me. Give your life to me. Put your trust in me. Let me be your Lord and Master, Savior of your life. Oh, there is the key, is being fully committed and surrendered to God. And then saying, God, now it's not about me. It's all about you. And then it's all about others. I love what Jesus was asked one time. What's the greatest commandment of all? He didn't even hesitate. He said, greatest commandment of all? He quoted the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He added mind in one of the Gospels. Uh, We have that there. But he just quoted the Shema. He said, love God with everything you got inside of you. But he didn't stop there. He said, oh, and by the way, the second commandment is like unto the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. That starts with your family. That starts with your spouse. Love them the way you want to be loved, the way God loves you and you know God wants you to love others. When we do that, we put God first. Man, then when the heart is right, the feet are swift. We run to do what God has called us to do. And this church will be known for what is going on over there at VCC. This is crazy. And I just heard this morning, you had 24 new families that visited this last week. That's crazy. That's wonderful that this happened because people are hungry and they're searching and they need answers, but they need to get here and find out that you guys are living it and it's real. That what they're looking for, you got the answers. That's the key to the Christian life. It's just keeping the compass applied in your life and running to God in every situation. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your provision of your word, for how it opens our eyes to you and to what you call us to. May our hearts be right and may we swiftly run to you in 2021. And may it all bring honor and glory to your name. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus and for your sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.